This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, how many came here today to leave here the same as you came in, just to look, go back out and just be like you were? You want to change? Amen. I, I tell you what, I appreciate the Holy Ghost. I'm going to look at a passage from our Bible reading for today. I'm going to look at the book of Acts chapter 1. This is not your lesson, but it's just as, as Pastor Dave's minister, I'm thinking about what I read this morning. How many follow us, what we, what we do every month, our scripture reading? Amen. You got your papers today and the bulletin told you what it was, but if you're sharp, you look on the internet and see what's coming up when you come to a month like this when you haven't seen the paper yet, so you know where we are. But Acts chapter 1, as we're worshiping God this morning, as I'm prepared to share the Word of God, as Pastor Dave's teaching, I'm thinking about what we saw right here. How many know that Christianity is not a religion? It's a family. It's a spiritual family connected with God the Father as about relationships. Connected one to another, connected with the Father. And you know, there's many, many, many religions in the world, but there's only one family. Amen. I mean, if your Bible people believe the Bible, if you think some other books, the Word of God, then you might think different. But if you're a Bible person that's been born of the Spirit of God, you know there's one spiritual family connected with God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But as, as we're worshiping God, as I'm thinking about what I'm going to preach today, I was thinking about what I read this morning in our Bible reading. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 says, The former uh, treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. When Jesus was on the earth for those three and a half years of ministry, he only began. It's not finished yet. He began a ministry. Christ's ministry still lives today around the world, everywhere that the name of Jesus is preached. Everywhere that there's one believer that shared the name of Jesus, then the ministry still goes on. It says he began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. And look at this. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. It's through the Holy Ghost that the anointed God comes. It's through the Holy Ghost that understanding comes. It's through the Holy Ghost that revelation comes. Jesus always spoke through the Holy Ghost. And any man or woman of God or believer is going to be effective and share the gospel you got to have the Holy Ghost in you. Amen. you got to be walking with and living for Him. It says, To whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion, after His crucifixion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so see, a lot of people that superficially see the Bible, they don't understand. When Jesus died, He didn't just come out of the grave. And then, all of a sudden, he went up to heaven. Jesus came out of the grave. He went to heaven. He put his blood on the mercy seat once and for all for the sins of mankind. And then Jesus came back down again. And for 40 days, he showed the people what to do. Man, people don't realize how real this is. For 40 days, after he was raised from the dead, he came back down. And for 40 days, that's over a month, for 40 days, he taught the apostles what to do to begin the New Testament ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he began it 
But you know what? It's through the Holy Ghost. It carries on today through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and all believers that will share the Word of God. Isn't that powerful? And you know, I learned, I learned through great men and women of faith when I was a young Christian that whenever a minister of the gospel is up there sharing the gospel, you don't rever the man, but you reverence the Word of God and the Spirit through the man because that's the same thing as Jesus ministering to you. Jesus said, in my name, preach the gospel. He said, in my name, cast out devils. In my name, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, speak with new tongues. He said, in my name, and that, that's in Mark chapter 16. And then in verse 20, it says, Jesus went with them, confirming the word with signs following. Jesus doesn't confirm just good preaching. He confirms the word of God that comes through good preaching. He confirms the word of God. That's why it's so important for Christians to always learn the word of God. To always share the word of God, the love of God. And we're going to be teaching today about how you can grow in faith. Does anybody need an outline? If you need an outline, hold up your hand. And I want to show you a couple couple things out of the bookstore to help you today. And then, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm lit up. Because I'm born again. I'm only 40 years old. 40 years old. January 29th, I turned 40 years old in the Lord. And I think about the head start I've got on Moses. Moses was 40 years old when he got in trouble, went to the backside of the desert. And then 40 years later, at 80 years old, he got to start his ministry. Well, I'm only 40 right now, so I've got a few years under my belt. But I'll tell you what, my 40 years feels like I just began. I'm so excited. I was talking, I was talking to Katie Brady this morning about life. And one of our grandsons stayed all night with us last night and come to, come to church this morning and he was just chatter, 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 chatter. But it was just, it was good. He started talking about heaven. He started talking about a grandma he's got in heaven. And a little child talking about heaven, how good that was. I was talking to Katie. She's got a son in heaven. And it's sad to lose a son. But you want me to tell you something sadder? To have a grandma or grandpa live to be 120 years old and never be born again and die and not go to heaven. And so it's so nice to know what we know what we know that our loved ones go to heaven and eternity's forever. Eternity's forever. And so for a young person to go into eternity with Jesus and go to heaven is a whole lot better than a person lived to be 120 years old and die without Jesus and go to hell. Amen. Amen. I want to show you a couple of things out of, out of the bookstore here so it won't get away from me. And these are two very important books. The New Birth in Spanish and in English. And I recommend these books for everybody. It's the Word of God being taught by Brother Hagen. And if you've never been born again, you need to get one of these books and read them and understand why you need to be born again, how to be born again. We talk about that today anyway. But if you don't know how to effectively share the new birth with people, you need this book as a Christian. If you've been, even if you've been saved for 20 or 30 or 40 years, if you do not effectively know from the Word of God how to share scriptures, what born again is, you need this book. And I'll tell you more about that. Why? Just, just a few seconds. But then here's another one. Talk about faith. They call it exceedingly growing faith. Exceedingly growing faith. 
And that comes out of first, or first, yeah, first Thessalonians chapter one, I think, a verse that Brother Hagin starts off with. And Brother Hagin told the church of Thessalonica, told the believers, he said, I've been watching you and your faith is growing exceedingly. And so that tells me that faith can grow. It can grow. Jesus talked about, he said, oh, ye of little faith. Amen. And then another time he told the centurion, he said, I've never seen such great faith. And then he said, faith's like a grain of mustard seed. And so our faith does not need to stay where it is. Our faith can grow. And there's things to make it grow. We're going to talk about that today. But anyway, I was thinking as we were worshiping God this morning, as looking back on life, I'm getting ready to go to Peru next week, you know that. And I was, t- I was talking to the people in Peru this week, and I'm going to be teaching in a, in a uh, crusade down there every day for five days. I'm going to be teaching pastors and leaders from that part of the country. They're going to come down there and want me to teach them on faith. And so I was thinking, man, what an opportunity that is. But as I was thinking about that this morning in worship, get this. Back in the fall of 1979, 1979, I was starting to get hungry for God. I was a sinner. I was still drinking, smoking, cussing, doing all kinds of things that sinners do. What does fish do? They swim. Why do they swim? Because they're fish. What do birds do? They fly because they're birds. What do dogs do? They bark and they dig and they do do in your yard and they dig holes. How do I know that? Because I got five dogs. Because they're dogs. What do sinners do? They sin. Why do they sin? Because they're sinners. What do Christians do? Well, they're supposed to read their Bibles, pray and go to church and treat people right. what they're supposed to do. Amen. But anyway, in the fall of 1979, I was just getting unhappy with life. Of course, you know, when you're a sinner, you stay unhappy with life half the time, and half the time you're just stupid, you know, and then whatever. Anyway, I just, anyway, I got, I got tired, I got tired, I got tired of just living the dumb life. I knew there was more. And so, I remember, I, I, I finally said, man, I don't want to smoke anymore. And this time I threw them away. They stayed away because I just really made the decision, man, I don't want to smoke anymore. Just, I'm, you know, I'm tired of having trouble breathing and spending all my money on stupid stuff. I quit smoking and I wasn't satisfied. So just, you know, a few weeks later, I thought, man, I don't like beer anymore. I got rid of my beer. I quit drinking beer. And I still wasn't satisfied. I thought, man, there's something, there's something just, you know, something's got to change. And then I got thinking, I need God. And so when I, was a, when I was a boy, I went to the Baptist church. When I was a freshman in high school, I got born again. I stayed saved for a while. This was a lot of years after that. But I still been born again before I was a kid. But I walked away from it all. And somebody said, don't you believe in uh, once saved, always saved? Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says once saved, and then it tells you how to stay saved. Because he said in the book of Revelations, said if you start back walking the other way, I'll take your name out of the book. And so, you know, I remember one time I had a legal thing. I was dealing with a lawyer on about some church things and uh, about some trouble he was having. He said, well, who has the, who said, who signs your name in the book in your church there? I said, well, I said, I'm the pastor. I go through class. I signed a certificate. He said, well, the only one authorized to put them out is the ones that put them in. Same thing of heaven. The only one can take you out of the book is the one that puts you in the book. And so I knew, I knew, I knew in my heart that wasn't once saved, always saved. It's once saved if you choose to stay saved. That's why he says life and death. He said, therefore choose life. And you gotta stay choosing life. So anyway, I've been, I've been, I've been backslidden for years. 
And I, I, wanted, I wanted to find God, but I wasn't really thinking about born again. I, in my heart, I knew something I had to do, but I knew I couldn't find it out there on the street. I knew I had to get back into some place where God was supposed to be at. What was that again where God was supposed to be at? Because I found out the place I went to, he wasn't really at. And so I started going to this denominational church, and they took communion every Sunday. I started going in December of 1979. There was five Sundays that month, because I know for five Sundays I went to the altar as a sinner, and I left the altar as a sinner, because I don't think the preacher was saved. I don't think the associate pastor was saved. Why do you say that? Because every week I come up there and told them, I want to get right with God, and they didn't pray with me for our salvation. Five weeks in a row. And so they took communion every week, and I wouldn't take communion, because I knew I was unclean. I knew I wasn't walking with God where I could, was worthy to take communion. Only the blood makes you worthy. So I went there five weeks in a row seeking God. At the end of every service, every week, I'd go up to the altar and the pastor and his associate was up there just shaking people's hands, you know, saying hi. And said, hi. I said, hi. I said, I want to get right with God. And basically all they could say, well, yeah, I'd like to be right with God too. That'd be nice. And so I left there thinking, man, I wanted them to pray with me. I wanted to get saved because I was a sinner. And because I knew what it was before, when they didn't pray with me, I knew I still wasn't. That's pretty bad, wasn't it? I'm getting to a place with this now. This, this is just something I stayed by. I was worshiping God a minute ago. I've got to influence people as a pastor for lots of years. I got to preach in lots of places, lots of times. I get ready to go down and minister a lot of people. And those people at that church there, as the next part of the story, would you hear it? If these people would have done their job, this next part wouldn't have been necessary. I went to a church, and the church was called Christian Church, by the way, is in their title, Christian Church. But I don't think it's a very Christian if the preacher didn't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. I think they were a religious place. My definition of religion is when you talk all about God, but you leave God out. You know, you're not just supposed to talk about him. He's supposed to be a part of it. So anyway, during the last part of December, then about, probably about the last week or two, I drove 18-wheelers. And I was around the Spaghetti Bowl in Indianapolis. What's the Spaghetti Bowl? That's the central part of Indianapolis where three interstates come together from everywhere. And they call it Spaghetti Bowl because like some of these places in California, everything's wrapped around going like that. So that's called Spaghetti Bowl. I remember I was coming up on the spaghetti bowl, and I got, and I wasn't saved yet. So I remember I got on my CB radio, and you got all these people out there acting stupid. I got on there, I did some stupid stuff. And anyway, another truck driver recognized my voice. He said, Bernie, is that you? Well, I was kind of embarrassed. I thought, man, somebody heard me that knows me. That was stupid. And he said, I said, yeah, Jerry, is that you? He said, yeah. I said, where are you at? I said, you about ready for lunch? I said, yeah. So we pulled off with Shapiro's Delicatessen. That's a Jewish Delicatessen downtown Indianapolis. And we had lunch. And he's a sinner. And I'm a sinner. We're sitting there talking. And Jerry just starts talking about this Pentecostal church. We don't talk about church. We're sinners. I wasn't there going to tell him I went to church the last few weeks, you know, trying to find God because I was a sinner. I wasn't going to talk about that. That was my privacy. That was private. But the Holy Spirit used a donkey one time to talk to a prophet to tell him, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. Say, man, your head's coming off. If you don't, the Holy Spirit used a donkey. 
The Holy Spirit used a fish one time to get another wayward preacher. That's what the Holy Spirit could use a donkey. The Holy Spirit could use a sinner. If Christians won't do their job, God will send a sinner to take care of it. God saw years ago, years ahead of the time, back then in December of 79, California needed what God wanted to put in Bernie Samples. And God started drawing Bernie Samples, so he went to church, had the people of the church wouldn't tell him how to get right with God, so God said, okay, I don't see any donkeys, I see an unsaved truck driver. So we're sitting there having lunch, and he starts telling me, man, there's something weird going on in my family. And we just said they're eating lunch. I said, what's going on? He says, my wife started going to this church. He said, it's called Pentecostal Church. And me and Jerry didn't talk about churches, man. We didn't talk about Baptist churches, Pentecostal churches, Catholic churches, or any kind of churches. But the Spirit of God is looking at me hungry for God. And so that's throwing red meat at a hungry dog. And so he starts talking about this church. And when I was a boy, I went to the Baptist church. At the Baptist church, people didn't get healed. People didn't talk in tongues. That kind of stuff didn't happen. They loved God. People got saved. That's for sure. He says, my wife, and I know I knew his wife's history because we worked together, that she'd had back surgeries and stuff like that. said, my wife's been going to this church. And said, man, these people throwing oil on her. And they're praying. And they're speaking in foreign languages. And said, my wife's healed. And we're sinners. We're not Christians talking about church services. We're sinners. And they starts telling me about his, his, his father-in-law. That, that the whole family's going to that church there. The father-in-law had things. She, and he got healed. And this is all new stuff to me. I don't know anything about this stuff. All I know, because I'm still in the midst of December going to this other church trying to get saved. So then a couple weeks later, same stupid thing, man, going down the road. I do the same stupid thing on the radio. Bernie, is that you? <laughs> I said, yeah, Jerry, is that you? Yeah. What are you doing? You want to go to lunch? So we went to lunch again, went to Shapiro's again. And Matt was sitting there, and I thought we were going to talk center talk. Well, he starts talking about the Pentecostal church again. Starts telling me more stories. And so long, long story short, after five weeks of trying out the Disciples of Christ Church, the last, last five Sundays in December, with no results. The first Thursday, this Pentecostal church had services on Thursday night and Friday night, Sunday, and had revivals one or two weeks, a whole week long every month. I mean, they had church all the time at that place. And so the first Thursday night, I went to the Pentecostal church. I walked to the Pentecostal church because I was still a sinner, and I didn't know anything except the Baptist church. At the Baptist church, they had a piano and an organ. When I was a kid, Baptist church played the organ, played the piano. That's what they did. I went to the Pentecostal church. There was a place called The Grove. That was a nightclub I used to go to over in Beach Grove, Indiana, called The Grove. In The Grove, uh, they was like modern-day, charismatic, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost churches. They had they had organ, drums, guitars. I mean, all the stuff that we have at our church. They had all that kind of stuff there. I walked in the Pentecostal church. It was a shocker. I walked in. I didn't just see a religious organ and piano up there. Man, they had they had an organ, they had a piano, they had drums, they had guitars, and they had people jumping and shouting and having a good time. I thought, man, this is like the nightclub I just left. I thought, man, I left that. And they had the spirit at that nightclub. But these guys got the spirit too, but it's a different spirit. 
At the grove, it said right out of the window, we serve spirits. You ever ever seen those things on tavern windows that says spirits? That's demon spirits. They just don't really know it. And so anyway, I went in that place, and they got this music going. But my first impression, I walked in there, wait a minute, this is not a church. Look at all those guitars and drums and everything up there. This is different. But the whole thing was, I could immediately tell it was a different spirit. It wasn't the religious spirit of that denominational church. And I'm not knocking, knocking denominational churches, by the way. It wasn't the religious spirit that denominational church had. And it wasn't the demon spirits that the tavern had, but this was the real Holy Spirit. So I went that Thursday, I went Friday, I started going. And so long story short, I asked Jesus into my heart later on in the month. And so I said that to get to where we are now. Go go to John chapter 3. And teaching today, I got to thinking about our church, that our church... We have different levels of faith here. We have different levels of people. And I'm going to answer to God about what I do to help all of you grow as Christians, to grow in your faith. And, you know, you think about our church today, three levels of people that I'm aware of. Number one, people have never prayed the prayer of salvation. Never prayed the prayer of salvation. That's called the sinner's prayer, the prayer of salvation. Uh, the prayer to be born again, that's saying, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You died for my sins. You were raised from the dead. And I ask you to forgive me, come into my heart, Jesus, and make me the person you want me to be. That's the prayer of salvation. So I realize we've got people that haven't prayed the prayer of salvation. Then we've got others who are new Christians. The Bible talks about baby Christians, new in Christ, and different terminology. But the thing is, there's people in the church right now that you need to find out, what do I do now? I'm not who I used to be. I'm like Pastor Samples was when he started off in January of 1980, that he was brand new, knew nothing. I'm brand new, and I don't know anything much at all, and I want to grow. Amen? And so then also then, we have others that have been born again believers for a while. They know some things about faith and how to stay strong in faith. And so I want to talk to all of you this morning about how I've grown for 40 years Never turned back. I've never turned back to live a life of fear, sickness, depression, poverty, failure. I have nothing to go back to. Amen. I know you back back when I was a sinner like that, when I drank Budweiser, I remember what the guys used to say, man, Bud made, made Budweiser will make me wiser. Not Bud never made me any wiser. Bud made me stupid. And then I went from Budweiser to Miller High Life. The champagne of bottled beers. Well, it wasn't any high life, it was a low life. I was depression, I got kicked around. I got beat up. I got so stupid, done so many dumb things, you didn't even want to see the people who was with the next day because you never knew what you did. And they remember what you did, you was ashamed of it. And so I found out that Bud never made me wiser and didn't find any high life in Miller's. And so over all these 40 years, over all these 40 years, why would I be tempted to think about going back to that stupid life? I remember depression. Well, I didn't know what to do about it. You mean out of 40 years, depression's never knocked on your door? Yes, it has. Many times depression's knocked on my door, but I answer with joy. 
I answer with faith. I answer with singing. I answer with shouting. I answer with victory. I've learned what to do in 40 years. I haven't been depressed. It's knocked, but I always refuse to answer. That's I answer with faith. Sickness, poverty, lack, dealt with all those things the last 40 years, but I didn't cope with them. I learned how to speak to the mountain. Told her what to do. I was working with Joe Mumford yesterday doing some things. Me and Joe was talking some faith things and talking about some different things, how it takes time to change things sometimes, et cetera, et cetera. And Joe, Joe said something was really good. I don't know if it's original from Joe Mumford or if it's something that he read or heard preached somewhere. But Joe made this statement. Said, yeah. Said, God will move your mountains, but sometimes he asks you to bring a shovel to help. I thought that is really good. That's called being a doer of the word. You know, most of the time when there's things in your life that needs to be done, you have to use your faith to do it. But God's the one that shows how to get the faith. So anyway, no matter where you are in life, I want to show you how to grow today, especially if you're a new new Christian in Christ. Uh, Look at John chapter 3, verse 3 through 8. I don't know about you. I'm excited about the Word of God. Been doing this 40 years. I really feel like my life's just getting started, like I'm just getting started on a, on a journey that I'm so excited. Sometimes I feel like i got a tiger by the tail. Man, you just don't want to let loose. You don't want to turn around and bite you. You're just holding on, man, you're for the ride. And so anyway, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God or understand the kingdom of God. And, you know, I want to tell you the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a real place that will go someday. It's a spiritual place, but it's a real place because you get, you, get, you get to the kingdom of heaven, there's streets of gold. There's a river of life. The tree of life. There's mansions. Angels. There's a place that Pastor Dave talked about. The Bible says there's a throne where God sits. That means there's a real place in heaven. It's a spiritual place, but it's a physical place because we'll be there and we'll see it. But then there's the kingdom of God. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, behold, the kingdom of God's within you. The kingdom of God is a spiritual place in us on the earth today. As he said, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Well, that word see there means like understand. You cannot understand spiritual things unless you're born again you know I, I, there's so many examples I could use but you know money is so important to people and money's God in most Christians lives not really Jesus money makes their decisions for them they make decisions based all upon money but the thing about it when you really see the kingdom of God understand the kingdom of God it's so easy to be a person that writes 10% check out to God or gives 10% because money doesn't control you anymore and you see the kingdom of God means you understand it. You understand God said 10% belongs to me and God said your part is just to obey me, give 10% back to me of how I bless you and then God says in Malachi chapter 3, my part is because you cooperate with me in the kingdom of God, I open the windows of heaven. What my blessing upon you. He said, I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. People see the blessing on your life. And so that's seeing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says cancer is not a threat to your life because you can handle cancer. 
Jesus is the answer for cancer. Key number God says, diagnosed of cancer or anything else, James 5.14, call for the elders of the church, anoint them all in the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Heads try to figure that out. How could that happen? Kingdom of God says, I understand that because I have the Spirit in me and the Spirit tells me that's true. Prayer of faith heals the sick. Etc., etc. So that's how, that's how you begin to understand the kingdom of God. But people that don't have the Spirit in them, they don't see that. They don't understand that. They try to figure it out. Well, I can't believe you, you idiot. You're going broke and you're going to write out a check for that much money to give to that church? I said, no, I'm not writing out a check to give to any church. I pay my tithe to Jesus. And it just so happens Jesus has me in that church. And he said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. So I bring my tithe into that church for Jesus. Has nothing to do with how much I have left over. Has nothing to do with how much I make. The Word of God tells me 10% belongs to the Lord. And so I never look at how much I have left over. I just know God gets 10%. Somebody says, well, I sure don't understand that. And then you need to say, well, you know what? Jesus talked about you in John chapter 3. He said you wouldn't understand it until you're born again. And so I'm not going to try to explain it to you if your head because your head's never going to figure it out. Amen? And so anyway, he said that uh, you got to be born again. So Nicodemus said that to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's tried to figure out a spiritual thing with a natural mind. And so then Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel that, not, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so what Jesus is saying, now listen to this, that is so, so easy to understand when you look at it through spiritual eyes. He said, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. Do you ever think about that? You can't see the wind. You can see the flag blowing, that where I live out in Newberry Springs. Before we go outside, if I want to see, if the wind blows out, there's two things I do. Praise God, we're blessed with a big lake. I look out the lake, and I see the, if I see the waves moving, I know the wind's blowing. I don't see the wind, see what it's doing. If I see the flag blowing, I know the wind's blowing. And so he said, that's how the new birth is. says you can't see it, but you can see the results, what it does in a person's life. All of a sudden, all that cuss they used to darn, they used to do, it's all, all darn it, shucky darn, oh shucks, oh shoot, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, they don't talk like they used to talk, they change. And then all of a sudden, it's like when I was first born again, people in my job, they, 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 they thought it was funny, making jokes, but I'd say, what are you doing? You going to a prayer meeting tonight? i say, yeah. They thought that's a put down like this messing with me. i say, what are you guys doing? You going to the Sunshine Inn? they say, yep. What's the Sunshine Inn? That was our water at home where we used to drink beer on payday. They going down to the Sunshine Inn. I was going to the prayer meeting. Why is that? They couldn't see the Holy Spirit, they can see what the Holy Spirit did. I changed. Amen. Instead of hanging out in the bars, I hung out at church. My life changed. Instead of giving all my money to the tavern, you know, by the way, you know what I found out too? Nobody complained 
If I spent half my paycheck at the tavern, but, but if, I, if, I, if I wrote a $50 check out to the church because at that time I was making about $500, and sinners found out about that, I can't believe that. You're blowing your money like that. You're giving $50 to a church? Well, you just gave $200 to a tavern, and now you're crying because you don't know how you're going to pay your rent? Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so on January 29th, 1980, I was born again. Man, you can clap about that. If I wasn't born again, you better have never been blessed to me getting to bless your life. <laughs> Amen. So your first step of faith is to ask Jesus into your heart. Your first step of faith is to ask Jesus into your heart. You must be born again before you can see the kingdom of God. Before you understand it, you've got to get born again or there's no second step that counts. Going to church doesn't count then. It's good to go to church. But if all you ever do is go to church all your life and never get born again, you never took the first step of faith. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now we're talking about how to grow in faith. We sincerely want everyone to grow in faith and not stay the same. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. And I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. Because I like this, the Living Bible. Living Bible says this. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. The brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Somebody say hallelujah. Say hallelujah again. Amen. See, it's easy to say words like that when you got the spirit. But before you're born again, that is so strange to say hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You're like a fish out of water, man. You're just ready for oxygen. You can't breathe trying to say words like that. It chokes you. When you're born again, if you're to say a cuss word, that ought to choke you. But we say hallelujah. Say it one more time. Hallelujah. hallelujah. says a new life has begun. All these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come to his favor, be reconciled to him. I turned 40 years old this year, and so I have two birthdays, and you have two birthdays. You have a physical birthday and a spiritual birthday if you're born again. Did you ever think about that? And you know, when I talk about I'm 40 years old, that is so real to me that I'm sure... Now, you look at me and think, man, how'd you get that much gray hair, white hair, whatever color hair it is? I'm glad I got hair. But you probably think, man, how'd you get that much in 40 years? I got that much because I'm 40 years on the inside, but on the outside, I'm almost 69 years. I'll be 69 years old in July. But that birthday doesn't really count. Because that birthday, if I wasn't a born-again Christian... You'd be looking at a man that's had 69 years of hard living. I guarantee you I wouldn't look like this. I wouldn't look like that. I'd probably be in the ground. Be a whole different life. But I have two birthdays. You have two birthdays. And so, you know, to me, I, 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 don't, I don't know how 
how I sound to people talking sometimes, but I really know I'm 40 years old. The, six, uh, the 69 part, I don't even think about. I'm 40 years old. God said, on January 29th, a new life has begun. Said the old one passed away, a new life has begun. On January 29th, 1980, my life begun. Those first years were dead years. They were wasted years. They were no good years. Yeah, I had some fun in the flesh sometimes. But the wages of sin is death. Those times would have come to an end. The way of a transgressor is hard. I had some hard times. Some things were rough. I've had some hard times since I've been a believer. But then I won over them. Glory to God. The name of Jesus gave me victory in every situation I ever come up against after that. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about how to grow in faith. I'll guarantee you, I'm much further longer now than what I was. I went to that Pentecostal church, walked those doors there like a dumbbell, looking at that stuff going on in there. I remember I talked to people, saw me coming that first time. They said, man, said you came in, said we could tell, look at you, you're like a calf looking at a new gate. You had no clue what was going on. I said, you're right. And I remember, I remember how they didn't, they didn't, they didn't really teach the Bible there. They taught a little Bible. They didn't know much Bible. And I remember I come to that church before I got saved. It was in the ghetto of Indianapolis. It was half black, half white, and it was all poor people. I remember the first time we that, they probably had a couple hundred people in this sanctuary. And I was just sitting there as a sinner on my first Sunday morning service I went to. And all of a sudden this great big black guy looked at me like he's eight foot tall. Great big guy stands up in the middle of the congregation. And all of a sudden, I thought, man, they got somebody from Africa in here. The guy stood up and blasted in tongues. And then somebody else on this side stood up in the congregation and started preaching. Well, because they didn't teach about the gifts of the Spirit, I did not know that was a gift of tongues. Until after I was born against our Lord in the Bible. And then I realized that wasn't just somebody in the congregation preaching. That's somebody giving interpretation of what this guy just spoke. Amen. You know, I don't want the people of this church to be ignorant about spiritual things. Because they didn't teach us what that was. That's why I want to teach about the gifts of the Spirit. Like I just did a big series on recently. Et cetera, et cetera. Because to grow in faith, you've got to grow in your knowledge of the Word. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, you got a, a spiritual and a physical birthday. Because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, I knew very little about Jesus, Christianity, or the Bible. All I knew for sure was in my heart, I knew I didn't want to live like I used to. That's what I knew for sure. I knew I never wanted to go back to Loserville. I lived there before, and it wasn't a good place to live. And so this first church, Pentecost Church, was a good church. They had a good pastor, good people, but they just didn't teach much of the Bible about faith. And this is this next statement get ready to make is kind of what birthed this sermon today. All I remember was a lot of talk and preaching about, you've got to have faith, brother. You've got to have faith, brother. And I thought, yeah, I want to have faith. Somebody teach me how to have faith. All I ever heard, you've got to have faith. I thought, yeah, I know it. How do I get it? You've got to have faith, brother. Yeah, I know it. How do I get it? You've got to have faith, brother. Just have faith. And so they never really taught how to have faith. And here's what they did say. And this is what learned me what not to do. They said things like, great faith comes from going through great trials. And so you know what I did? I prayed for great trials. 
This is the absolute truth. If you are a Christian, as a new Christian, I sincerely, when I got born again, I sincerely got born again. It wasn't just some religion experience I had. I got born again. I was 28 and a half years old, and I was hungry for God. Tried to find him in that Christian church in Indianapolis. Those people didn't know him. God sent an unsaved truck driver to tell me where to find him at. And, you know, I started telling that story to tell you this. Don't be bashful to witness to people. After I was born again for probably a couple of years, I led half that truck dock at the office to the Lord. I led them to the sinner's prayer, started getting people to church, et cetera, et cetera. I led everybody to Jesus I could. Terminal manager, secretaries, billing clerks, rate clerks, claims manager, everybody there I preached to because I found out for 28 and a half years I was on the way to hell. Amen. So I preached to everybody, and then this morning I'm thinking, nobody would preach to me. Had to have a sinner tell me how to get place to tell me how to get saved. So finish this one story. And so I led everybody to Jesus I could to that truck dock. I remember one day out of the truck dock, I was sitting on the tow motor, and a guy come walking past about something, and whatever was going on, I stuck my hand out and got his hand, a guy I worked with. And I said, man, I said, it's time you get right with God. I said, you need Jesus. And the guy yielded to me. And so I had him pray the sinner's prayer. I went into the break room a little bit after that. Had a religious guy I worked with all these years. And he never witnessed to me one time. And he was a serious church member who went to church. I went in there. I said, man, I said, that was good. He said, what? I said, I just led, led so-and-so to the Lord out here on the dock. And so this guy then gives me the religious thing. Did you baptize him? I looked at him and said, there's no water out there on the dock. So I can't baptize him out there. I don't have any water. He's not saved then. I said, well, what about the people in the Bible then? The thief died on the cross. Jesus said, this day I'll see you in paradise. I said, didn't find any water for that man. Nope, you got to be baptized in water. I said, oh. And I said, let me ask you something then. I said, I've worked with you all these years. I was going to hell. And not one time did you tell me about Jesus. You know what he said? I thought you was too mean to get saved. And so I was still a young Christian, led by the Spirit, and so I said, I wasn't as mean as the man who wrote most of the New Testament. I didn't kill any Christians. I didn't put any of them in prison. Talk about Paul. Saul of Tarsus was part of killing Christians, putting them in prisons. The guy said, too mean to get saved. I said, I wasn't that mean. And so I said that to say this. I'm preaching to this congregation right now. You guys have people out there in your families and on your jobs that you think is too mean to get saved. You think they're too far out there. How do you know that some of these people that God's moving on your heart to witness to aren't going to some dead church right now every week like I did trying to find God? 
And God's looking at you. And God's moving on you. And your heart's starting to beat fast when you're having lunch with them and you're working with them. And you're starting start to choke up thinking, I can't talk, I can't talk, I can't talk. They're too mean. And God's saying, remember what Pastor Samples told you? Is God got to send a sinner to witness them or are you going to do it? Is God looking down the road 40 years and saying, I'm going to want to send them way out somewhere else to minister to hundreds of pastors in some foreign country, but they got to get saved first? They just said, too mean to get saved. I don't think they'll ever get saved. And God said, I got a call on their life. And you're part of that call. You get them saved first. Then I'll take care of cleaning them up. Is that good preaching or what? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You think, you think about this story I'm telling. This is God talking to this church that this city, the leaders of this city and this community, when I talk about the city of Barstow, I don't just see Barstow, I see the region. Our region is much bigger than Barstow. We got so much, we got, you know, you, you draw, you draw a circle rather, but let's just be the epicenter right here, draw a circle, man. We're covering Fort Irwin. We're up to Newberry Springs and all around, way down to Helendale. I mean, we got, we got a, we got a wide, wide range here to minister to. There's people out there that God right now is working on them. If you're looking at that outward, man, God said, I don't see as man sees. He said, you look at the outwards. I'm looking at the inside. God's seeing that. Think, think about, you know, we actually have Michael Jackson in our church. He lives. <laughs> Michael Jackson on the front row. But you know what? There was a few years ago that Michael Jackson was like a Bernie Samples. He was dead to God. And that God sent a beautiful woman across his life, started sharing the gospel of Michael Jackson. She got, amen, got him into the kingdom of God. Then she went fishing and got him into the family, her family. <laughs> amen. But what, what I'm telling you is this, as we're looking at how to grow in faith, that God has people out there that are never going to grow in faith if they don't get born again to have faith. And so that's your job. So anyway, that, that, that was part of that. That was a good little bunny trail. So anyway, I, I, I prayed then because they, t- they told me that faith comes by great trials. And so as that new Christian that was hungry for God got born again, and all I knew was I want great faith. So I prayed for great trials. I said, Lord, send it to me. I can handle it. Give me great trials. And so at this point in time... I'd been divorced for a few years, but before I got saved, my ex-wife and my kids came back. So I was had my ex-wife, my kids, and we were talking to the preacher about getting married again. I prayed for great trials. I came home from church one night, and my wife and my kids, what my wife, ex-wife, they were gone. That was a pretty big trial to hit me as a new Christian man, looking at God to do great things in my life. And then after that. Get ready to come to work one morning. And I was 28 and a half years old. And all of a sudden, get knocked on my front door. My dad and my mom lived way down the road. They weren't Christians yet. Knock on my door there because they heard about my radical life. Now, as a Christian, it was radical to them because if you're a sinner and you get a relative going to a Pentecostal church, that's way different. They're going to a quiet little country church somewhere that just nice, quiet, peaceful place. And so, show up. And they tell me, you got to quit going to that church. They were just sinners, didn't go to anything. 
And so I said, no. I said, it's not about the church. It's about Jesus. I'm a born-again Christian now. And they said, well, we hear you're giving away your money. I said, I'm not giving away my money. I said, 10% belongs to God. Well, we hear you go there all the time. I said, well, I go every time they have church. They had church all the time. So I said, I'll go to church. And they said, we're going to have you committed if you don't quit doing this. Said, you went off the deep. This is my parents. I pray for great trials. I remember I had my two little girls with them. My two little girls. My parents. Get ready to go to my job to clock in. We're going to have you committed if you don't walk away from this Christian stuff. Great faith comes by great trials. I didn't get any faith out of any of that. I didn't like having an empty apartment again. I didn't like my parents turning on me like that. That was, None of that was fun. Sure had the great trials all right. They said great faith comes by great trials. And so anyway, I just kept living my Christian life because that's what I knew to do. I wouldn't go back to anything else. And so listen to this now. I'm really today helping you show you how to get faith and grow in faith. When I was a center truck driver... I knew where the rock and roll stations were. I knew where the country music stations were. I didn't know there was such a thing as Christian stations. And so in the morning time, I'm on my truck route, driving my truck down the road, just kind of surfing. I know I couldn't listen. Thank, thank God and Greyhound, she's gone. I couldn't listen to that one anymore. And I couldn't listen. My son calls another man daddy. I didn't want to hear that anymore. I didn't want to hear, hear that lonesome whippoorwill. Sounds too blue to fly. I thought, man, I can't listen to that anymore. That's not doing anything for me. And then all of a sudden, listen, I'll tell you where I used to live at. Man, I lived in Centerville. I didn't live in Sunday school. And so all of a sudden, at 9 o'clock, or actually 9.30, I come across this thing. And I hear this music, sounds like church music. And I hear this announcement say, Welcome to Faith Seminar of the Air with Reverend Kenneth Hagan. I thought, man, that sounds like Christian stuff. Reverend Kenneth Hagan. I begin to listen to a man named Brother, Reverend Brother Hagan at 9.30 in the morning, Faith Seminar of the Air. It was a faith seminar every morning for 15 minutes. And then about that same time, good morning, everybody. I'm Kenneth Copeland. Welcome to Believer's Voice of Victory. And then, hi, I'm Marilyn Hickey. I started listening to these faith people every morning. Faith Seminar of the Air. I still listen to Faith Seminar of the Air on YouTube 40 years later. That man, the word of faith he taught, changed my life forever. It's changing me today. It's through me changed people in California. It's through me getting ready to change people in Peru. Faith Seminar of the Air changed my life. Amen. And so anyway, it became part of my everyday life. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Oh man, time can't be happening like this. Where's the time going? 
Thank you, Mike. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Brother Hagin taught that at Faith Seminar of the Air. I prayed to I prayed for God to give me a faith pastor, and he sent, he sent me to the first word of faith church in Indianapolis. And I was there to our church, we pioneered our first church. But faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This particular Pentecostal church that I went to didn't teach me that. They told me I had to go through things to get faith. What I found out is when I went through things, if I turned to the Word of God, the Word of God gave me faith to get through the things. They didn't tell me that part. I want to say that again. Great faith can come out of great trials if you turn to the great Word of God. Trials are not sent from God to help change you. James chapter 1 says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted to God. Because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted to any man. God sometimes lets us go through some things in life to prove us, to test us, to prove us, to use our faith. But God does not send sickness, disease. He doesn't send car wrecks. He doesn't send death. He doesn't send divorce. He doesn't send bankruptcy. He doesn't send evil things. Evil things come from the devil. But I'll tell you one thing God does do. He'll put you in positions with people you don't want to be around. You'll turn to the Word of God. You'll get on your face. And when you seek Him through His Word, through prayer, He'll change your character. Amen. Amen. That's like moving that mountain that Joe talked about, man. Somebody, you have to take the shovel with you to help. And so faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith only comes to your heart one way, reading your Bible. Reading your Bible, coming to church consistently, coming to church consistently, coming to church consistently, coming to church consistently, coming to church consistently. consistently. Amen. Where faith is taught. Remember the subject today is how to grow in faith. Is everybody doing okay for me to finish the sermon this morning? Amen. Okay, let's let's hit this. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. You've got to see this so we can get to the closer. We're talking about how to grow in faith. You know, I'm so grateful I went 40 years and not backslid. I'm so grateful I went 40 years after lots of the rough stuff we went through. We went through a lot of rough stuff. We didn't quit. We didn't give up. We didn't turn on God. We didn't turn on people. We turned on the Word. We listened to the Word. We read the Word. Went to seminars. Went to conventions. Went to church. Everything we could do, hung around Christians that didn't want to talk goofy stuff. But Christians want to talk about the Bible. Want to talk about Jesus. And so we've made it. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Talking about how to grow in faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now I want, I read that one to read this one too. Romans 12, verse 3. You gotta see these in conjunction. And I gotta show you something right here, really important for you to know. 
to help you grow. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so I learned from the Bible, sitting under Brother Hagin, at good faith preachers and teachers, there's different kinds of faith. Saving faith is what we're talking about here from Ephesians 2.8 and Romans 12.3. Saving faith is supernatural from God. It's a gift from God to get us started in a new life as a Christian. God gives you the measure. God gives you the faith to get saved. I was hungry for God in late 1979. And then when I got around where some preaching was going on, I got faith to get saved. God gives you what it takes to get started. As you then begin to live your new life, you'll learn faith from the Bible is much more than being positive. See, if you're ignorant of spiritual things in the Bible, you're to think faith just means to be positive about life. Being positive does not get rid of cancer. Being positive will not get your enemies off your back. Being positive will not put food on your table. Bible faith, now listen to this, Bible faith has the supernatural backing of God to change things. I wrote that down this morning when I was looking, looking at this sermon. Bible faith is not just being positive-minded. You will be positive-minded if you're a Bible person. But positivity won't change things. Bible faith has the supernatural backing of God to change things. Now, the last place I want to look at to get this thing closed down is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and verse 2, I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. But I want to remind you that in our church, the different levels of Christians we have this morning have people need to be born again, have people that are new Christians and maybe have never heard any of these verses I've shared this morning. Then we have some of you around a long time, you've heard these, you know they're good, and these are going to reinforce your faith. These are going to shore you up. These are going to solidify your foundation. These are going to help you be stronger because the Word of God. Hebrews 12, verse 1, King James says, Wherefore, see, we also are compassed about and surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, people from heaven looking down. Let us, this act of your faith, lay aside every weight. And the sin, you have to say no to sin. You have to lay aside things that are time stealers, which does so easy to set us and run our, run our race with patience, the race that is set before us. And so we must use our faith to say no to sin and time stealers. You've got to make choices about time stealers in life. Verse two, this here is the kicker for the whole sermon right here. This is the flashpoint. It's going to cause everything to light up. Looking, this amplified, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and source of our faith. Author and finisher King James says, Jesus is the leader and source of our faith. Who gave you faith to be saved? According to Hebrews, uh, Ephesians 2.8, for grace, grace through faith is a gift of God. 
Hebrews 12, 3 says that he gives you the measure of faith. He gave you what it takes, what it takes to get you started. He's the leader, source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also the finisher. He's the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. We're talking about how to grow in faith. The same one that gave it to you is the only one you're going to get it from to grow in it. He's the only one that's going to help you to mature in your faith. And so your Christian life and faith started because you heard the word of God about Jesus dying for your sins. Now, we're going to be closing down, so don't don't go daydreaming right now. Listen to this last part. This answers your question about how to grow in faith. The only way your faith will grow is to keep your eyes on Jesus. He said, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, the perfecter, the maturer of your faith. He told me years ago, to keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes on the Word. To keep your eyes on the Word is to keep your eyes on Jesus. List this exhortation as I close out. No matter what Satan or life throws at you, the same way you got faith to be born again, it's the exact same way to get faith to save your marriage. For you that need marriage help, the same Jesus that gave you saving faith is the same Jesus that gave you staying faith, loving faith, not quitting faith, turn the other cheek faith, going the extra mile faith, whatever it takes to make the marriage work, that cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, to raise your children. No matter how good or how not good your children are doing right now, I'll tell you what, I'd never, ever, ever in a hundred million years put out the wrong words about my children. Rugrats never said it. Terrible twos never had them. Whatever, whatever, whatever else people say. I expect the Bible to work for my children, and it did. Train up a child the way it should go. Amen. I'd never put a curse on my children about anything. No matter how rough it was, I'd never do it. So that same faith that got you saved is the same faith when you read your Bible about children to show you what to do about troubled children. Amen. The same faith that got you saved cometh by hearing here by the Word of God. It's the same faith that will get you healed. No matter what the diagnosis, that same faith will get you healed. That same faith will get you out of debt. If that mountain's being moved, you better bring your shovel too. God needs you. You need God. You work together. You'll come out of debt. That same faith will get you a better job. Whatever your job status is right now, if you know it's time for change, the same faith that got you that job is the same faith that gets you the next one. Somebody said, but pastor. Oh, I say, but God and his word. That same faith will get you a house or a car. A better house, a better car. That same faith will give you the boldness to witness. That same faith by hearing the word of God will give you the boldness so God doesn't have to call a sinner or a donkey to come and witness that future preacher that you're working with. Amen. So hear God's word, speak God's word, act on God's word, and you will grow in faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
For more information, visit hdwc.org.